Did you know a horse can mirror and respond to human behavior? That it can hear a human heartbeat within four feet and synchronize its own heartbeat with that of its riders? Welcome to Tech Force Middle East, a new podcast showcasing trailblazers in the region. In this episode, we're learning about the wonders of equine-assisted services. Joining us today is Yana Shohailo. Yana is a stable manager at El Marmoum Initiative, a non-profit equestrian educational center where students learn to ride, drive, and work on the ground with horses. El Marmoum Initiative understands that people with mental, physical, and psychological challenges may have different strengths and abilities that are not always catered for in mainstream environments. So... In adaptive riding classes, the nonprofit offers students the chance to develop their physical abilities like posture, muscle, flexibility, but the lessons also have a much bigger effect than that. We're excited to learn more. Jana, welcome to today's show. Later in this episode, Barney Otabayeva from Salesforce will also join us. She'll tell us a little bit about how she's helping nonprofit organizations in more than 80 countries use Salesforce to grow their impact on our environment, culture, and society. Yana, Barney, it's great to have you here on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. Thank, Thank you for inviting Before we get into the details around El Marmoum, let's start with some quick fire questions. I'd like you to use one word to describe the thing that keeps you motivated and focused every day. We'll start with you, Barney. Impact. I need to know that what I'm doing brings something to the society, to me, to my organization that would probably keep me motivated. Yana? I would say... It's with my job as well to change the life of the people, to to help them. And what's the most rewarding part of nonprofit work for you? Oh. That there are money not involved, <laughs> because I think when uh, it's 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 different uh, feeling as well. You know, when nobody pushing you, you have to make money, have to make, and you're just working for smiles and happy faces. Anna, you work on the technology side of of nonprofit. What's the most rewarding thing for you? Um, probably it's finding solutions to problems, solving problems, I think, because when uh, I, I work a lot with nonprofits and when they come to us and they say, oh, we can't do that, we can't do that. And we spend a lot of time on it. And if I can fix it and make their lives easier, I think it's a good reward. There must be a lot of challenges in working in non-for-profit space. What are some of the challenges that you face on a day-to-day? For us, the most challenge is that we reach our maximum capacity and we have a limit now to uh, how many people we can have like uh, for the lessons. I guess that is a challenge. Bonnie? Uh, challenge with nonprofits, I think, is the, um, the readiness to change because not-for-profit organizations are uh, a bit limited when it comes to their resources that they could spend on optimizing technology, etc., which is understandable because they want to spend all of their resources on the impact. But uh, the power of technology, how it could help them to actually diversify and then focus on the impact, that's where the challenge comes to explain it to them and to make sure that everything works as we intend and as they want as well. Jana, what's the most inspiring trait you've seen in a human? I would say patience, especially working with animal and people, people with special needs as well. Barney, most inspiring human trait? Being open-minded being open for change, for developing, and understanding that pain of staying the same is greater than pain of change. 
And what's the most essential quality that a non-for-profit or charitable organization leader needs to have? I would say to believe in what he is doing. And Barney? I would agree here with Jana to believe in the mission and to drive the impact of the organization is one of the major differentiators. Barney, because this is your area, I'll stay with you. What's the potential of technology in the non-for-profit space? I think technology here is mainly to support because not-for-profit organizations, they are already using up, as Jana said, all of their resources to reach the goals that they have set. But technology can help them to optimize their time and their efforts and make sure that they can uh, extend these resources, human resources that they have, all of the staff and people that are working, volunteers, partners, and the donors as well. And technology can actually bring a lot of transparency and make the life a lot easier. So I think there's a lot of potential there. Jana, if you were a breed of horse, which horse would you be? I think I would be Arabian horse because I work recently with a lot of them and they are so different. You have big, small, different character, but they're really small, strong horses. Do horses have a genuine personality? Oh, yes, they do. You have like with a human, introvert, extrovert, left brain, right brain as well. Barney, favorite breed of horse? Wow, that's a difficult question. I know about Arabian horses just because I was uh, researching and one of the most beautiful horses are Arabian horses. But um, I come originally from Uzbekistan and we do ride a lot of horses. There are more camels, but uh, horses are also one of the very beautiful animals that I would like to learn how to ride. And maybe Yana could, uh, could help me with that. Maybe. <laughs> okay, awesome. Let's get down to business. Jana, can you tell us in your own words about El Marmoum and this idea of equine assisted services? Uh, so Al Marmoum started around eight, nine years ago. And um, Yahya Yusuf, he's a founder of Al Marmoum and he started it. So the reason is his son, because Yahya, he has a son Hamoudi who has a Down syndrome. And when Hamudi was very small, um, very young, let's say, um, he was terrifying of animals. And I think one day they just came to the stable and he was four or five years old and he just went towards the horse who was lower his head and he just hugged the horse. The parents was really amazed as well and they started taking him to the stable to ride the horses. And since then, he didn't stop riding. It really helped him a lot with, in a different areas, like with his um, core muscle, self-confidence, uh, communication skills, and many, many other things. So the owner, since he had this idea for a while to open something like that, where other people can experience it as well. So Sheikh Mohammed, he gifted land for for what for what we are doing for our stable and um, we have some support from uh, king of bahrain as well who is our neighbor and uh, we started eight eight years ago uh, and now we have around 100 students weekly coming for classes we have around 500 students registered wow. with us so thank you to yahya for that he is a big man with a big heart that's incredible and on a personal level how did you end up at el marmoon I've been with the horses for probably 25, 26 years, and, but I'm not a professional rider. I'm more leisure rider. 
and they love to train young horses as well. And then I saw the advertising in um, Facebook, I think. Someone was advertising it. It was best because I could teach the basic level riders. And I met Yahya. We had an uh, in interview and I started. And eight years I'm there. What do you find most fulfilling about working at Al Marmoon? It's a changes of some of the, our students' life and, and families as well, because we have some stories where the, where the students comes and they just even afraid to touch the horse. But then it takes like sometimes weeks, sometimes months, but then they own the horse and they're smiling and they're enjoying it so much. We have some, some students uh, with a disability that they cannot do anything else. They cannot go for any other activities. They cannot go for a swim as well. Uh, but then they managing to sit on the horse and for half an hour and they trying to smile as well, the big smile. It's, I guess it's the most rewarding job. That's <laughs> uh, amazing. You said that you have 100 students weekly and then 500 registered students. Yeah. How do you cater for such a large number of, of students? Uh, we rotating them over the terms. Like we have a season, unfortunately, because of the weather in UAE, our season is pretty short. So, But we have two terms where we rotating our students and trying to give as much as possible lessons as we can. And with this large number of students, a lot of them might have their own like peculiarities or their own differences. How do you sort of individualize the services for them? So depend on their abilities as well, depend on their, let's say even weight, because for example, we have a weight limit for the riding class, uh, for the riding horses. And then those who cannot ride due to the weight limit or because there are some medical conditions where they're not uh, advised to ride, we have uh, driving. We have two ponies and small carriage where students learning how to drive and stable management where they learning how to take care of the horses as well. You talked about earlier, which which is great to hear that horses have their own personality. Some are introverted, some are extroverted. How do you match students with with horses? Is there a process that you follow? Uh, it's not really based on the character of the horse, but it's more based on the movement of the horses as well. Um, because some uh, every horse they move differently and uh, depend on the student. For example, we, for example, if it's um, high, very hyper autistic child, we will put him on a horse that has more bigger movements, for example, because usually it really calms them down as well. If you have some child uh, uh, severely physically disabled that very is struggling with the balance, so we would give him a horse which is has much more shorter strides, doesn't have much movement when the horse moves, so to help the child. And then maybe in the future, if he develops a better balance as well, sitting position, maybe we will move him to the more difficult horse where the body needs to work more as well. How many volunteers do you have? Oh, we have probably over 800 volunteers, individual volunteers registered, and uh, we have around 30 CSR companies that come in to help as well. So we have a very big team of support. How do you manage such a large volunteer and CSR company base? Uh, thank you to the Salesforce and Barney. We started to use Salesforce probably seven years ago. And there was a version, customized version for the places like ours from America. I think one lady customized it. And then uh, because we, I was struggling with the Excel's sheets so and now it really it really really helps uh, to manage everything and 
how to say, keep everything in order. Barney, you look after the relationship between Salesforce and Marmoon. Can you tell us a little bit about, about this relationship that you have? Um, it's a very interesting story because uh, I joined Salesforce around two years ago and I started working right away with uh, nonprofit organizations. And uh, I thought, okay, let me organize some events and see and get to know uh, the customers in the region. And when I came to Dubai, I met Yana. And Yana was so um, motivated about Salesforce. She was happy that she's using it, that it's making her life easier. And it really got me thinking, okay, great. We have a customer that's very happy and using Salesforce, how many others could be as happy as well. And that was the moment we started expanding in the region as well. And with Almarmoon in the beginning, um, we were thinking, okay, they are using our not-for-profit offerings. It's great. But then we realized that they were not, and we were very surprised. And we were like, okay, uh, let's get you on the non-profit side. Did you have any issues in getting Almarmoon on, non on the non-for-profit portfolio? Uh, issues internally, no. I think in the beginning, what was the misunderstanding or maybe misconception is that uh, Yana thought we are a privately held company, we might not be eligible, and uh, that's why we might not get the nonprofit licenses, etc. But at Salesforce, what we do is we are committed for the change makers. We want to make sure that we are supporting all the nonprofit organizations, doesn't matter if they are privately held or not. And uh, when we started looking into Almarmon Initiative case, we realized that they are absolutely not for profits. They don't charge anything and they are making such a big change in the lives of people in need. And it was just a no brainer. We just got them on the nonprofit side. And uh, yeah, I remember that uh, we, were, we were applying as a social business because it was yes. like a social impact company. And then we applied and I think how was one, two days and we got approval for the nonprofit. And I was like, and we were, I was shocked because she told it might take up to two, three weeks because sometimes people wait for it. All stable was celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Barney, you look after the relationship between Salesforce and other charitable organizations in the regions. What kind of work does Salesforce do with these organizations? Um, so at Salesforce, uh, as I mentioned before, we are very committed to make sure that we can support each nonprofit organization. And from the very beginning, Salesforce started this uh, so-called pledge 1% where we donate 1% of our time, equity and product to make sure that we can support and give back to the society. And as part of this pledge 1%, we have a program called power of us. And within this program, what we do is we donate licenses to the nonprofit organizations. We offer them uh, discounted pricing to make sure that they can get the technology they need at the best possible pricing. So they uh, optimize their budget and they are not spending the budget that they should be spending on the impact on the technology, but yet getting the, all the benefits uh, from our, our products. And how can non-for-profits use technology to drive a, a more higher impact? In many different ways. The first and probably the easiest one is by removing all of the manual tasks, removing all of this boring administrative everyday uh, to-do lists and just automate it in uh, Salesforce. That will minimize the time spent on these tasks, maximize the efforts that 
people, instead of spending on the tasks that are just administrative, they could go out there and change the world and go for their goals. I think this is one of the ways. Apart from that, I could make a big list of how technology could help nonprofit organizations. For example, bringing the transparency, showing donors where the donations are going, helping the partners, volunteers, and also, of course, uh, making sure that the experience of your beneficiaries, people you are serving, are improved and at the best that you could get. Awesome. And Yana Al-Mamoum obviously helps students with their confidence. It helps them with their independence. Are there any memorable experiences or, or, or situations that you'd like to, to share with us? Well, you know, if every student to take, we have a story with every student. But uh, for example, one of my favorite stories, we have a student, um, his name Vikram. So he's an autistic child with physical disabilities and he's a super shy boy. Uh, he started to come to us probably four five years ago and uh, he always was with his guardian so he would very sh really shy to go with someone else as well and he was afraid to touch the horse and then slowly 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 I think after probably a month he started to follow the volunteers to go with them without his guardian he started to touch horse I even have somewhere a photo with his favorite horse too much makeup uh, where he was like petting her first time and then we could see that when other students ride uh, he, he would get helmet on his own put it on and sit and wait so then we started to try to get him on the horse as well because with, with people with special needs you never should push you just need to wait when, when they are ready and uh, I think he got in and it was the biggest smile that I could see on his face and uh, now he comes, he has his own helmet as well. He goes, he mounts a horse on his own. He doesn't ha have any support from the side as well. And yeah, this is one of the story. Amazing. It sounds like these individual experiences are so important. How do these type of experiences help support our society as a whole? How do you bring what you do in Mermoon to our society? Uh, Look, one of the most uh, major things that we're trying to do as well, it's not only to teach them how to ride the horses, but as well to become independent. Because on daily life, people with special needs, they always have someone there with them, the parents supporting, they have helpers as well, that, you know, they're capable much more. But at the same time, they are learning as well, that if there's some support all the time, well, why would I do it? as well so when they are getting on a horse and when we see that they are ready and there are nobody helping them we have a leader who leads the horse but there are no sidewalkers to support them or help with the exercises for example to hold the reins or steer the horse in and out they understand that they have to do it and nobody gonna help it as well especially if they love riding they would try to do everything you could and the way how they pay attention to the instructor as well the ones that very, has very short span attention as well. It's amazing. That's so good. And just going back to the concept around and technology, because I want people listening to this and the other non-for-profits to learn a couple of bits and pieces from what you've done. And it's not necessarily related to Salesforce, but what advice would you give organizations who are slightly intimidated from starting their journey with technology? I think you just have to start it and do not be afraid. Like Barney mentioned, it saves a lot of time. Uh, because, for example, uh, 
when we started, I'm very IT oriented person. So I was looking for software that where we can have everything in one place because you have software that can manage the writing classes booking. You have software that can help to manage this table. You can different software that can have, uh, can help is managing volunteers, but you don't have any, anything in the same place as well. But then when you have it all together, it's talking to each other, communicating, you can pull up any report as well. You can see it saves a lot of time and like it's very efficient as well. Brilliant. What does the future hold for El Marmoon? Our future probably to open Al Marmoum initiative number two somewhere in UAE, <laughs> in other Emirates. And do you, th uh, do you have any other Emirates on, on, the, on the plan? No, we don't have, but we need to find someone first who would like to fund it, let's say, like this, who would be, who has some experiences, people with special need and understand how it's important as well and has some spare spare financial part for this. Well, hopefully someone listening can potentially be your potential investor. It wouldn't be amazing because people need it. Because there are many stables in Dubai where people can go for, to ride the horses. But for people with special needs, they love it and it helps so much. But the horse is not trained for them or instructors, they, they don't have experience how to handle these people with special needs. And at some point it can become dangerous as well. But we really miss some stables like this in UAE. What advice would you give to someone who is looking to potentially take their career into equine assisted services? They can come to us and start with us to volunteer where they can experience more and see if they would like to proceed it. And then we, I will be happy to advise some courses as well and give more information about it. That's awesome. Barney, do you have any closing remarks to our non-for-profit listener base? I just want to thank uh, Jana for your time and also each and every not-for-profit organization that's doing what they are doing, giving back to society, and we are always here to support. Jana, thank you so much for joining us. You are doing something genuinely special. Thank you for inviting and thank you so much for your company as well that supporting such organizations. And Barney, also thank you for being the facilitator of this uh, relationship. It's great to have you as well. My pleasure. Thank you. Hello, everyone. It's Mark, the host of TechForce Middle East, a new podcast sponsored by Salesforce that explores some of the important issues affecting Middle East businesses today. Every month, we'll be joined by emerging entrepreneurs, startups and leading companies to explore how they're navigating through some of the biggest changes of our time, whether it's about financial performance and inclusion, the future of work, digital first customer experiences, or gender empowerment. We'll be learning from the best. So grab a cup of coffee and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button below and please continue the conversation in the comments. See you soon.